Welcome into Inside the Arc. I'm your host, Alec Bussey, joined as always by the one and only Brandon Simberg. Brandon, how are we doing today, man? Doing pretty well, Alec. It's uh, Last week I complained about the cold weather. Well, this week it's a lot warmer. So yeah, I've been enjoying that. And uh, yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, doing really well. Happy the uh, weather hopefully is finally turning to like the warm summer-ish kind of weather here in the Midwest with the sun being out. I think it's closer to like 75, 80 degrees today and it was really nice yesterday as well. So the weather is starting to really kind of make me happier and there's not a cloud in the sky again as long as the wind starts to die down. The wind yesterday had my allergies going crazy, dude. Same. Dude, my eyes were all sorts of itchy last night. Yeah. And I slept with my window open and everything. Okay. Yeah, I was probably not the smartest idea. <laughs> you live and you learn. Anyway, Brandon, let's uh let's get into it with a little bit of a preview of today's show. First, we're gonna hit on potentially Illinois losing some assistant coaches with Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman. Um, talk about those rumors to Kentucky and maybe some other schools mixed in there a little bit. But before we get to our interview, we're gonna talk about that. And our interview is Deion Thomas, now a reoccurring guest. Of course, the uh one of the few color commentators on the Illini Radio Network, along with Brian Barnhart as a play-by-play man. Dion still works inside the Illini Athletic Department as um, a fundraiser for the iFund, and he's one of my favorite people to talk to, one of the best in the business, one of the most plugged-in people in the business, so we're going to interview him. But before we get to that, Brandon, let's just get your kind of thoughts on this head coaching, not head coaching, excuse me, this assistant coaching situation with Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of rumors flying out right now about Kentucky and they, you know, Kentucky wants to take Orlando Antigua. There's rumors they want to take Chin Coleman as well. And it makes sense. Those guys have proven themselves to be really good recruiters and Antigua especially has proven himself to be a really good coach when it comes to development. So if they were to lose just one of those guys, it would definitely be a big loss. And, you know, Illinois reportedly, Josh Whitman offered him a big contract to stay. And, you know, it, it makes sense. Like he, like I said, he's incredible. So if they were to lose him, it would stink. But I think it, I think it should be looked at as a compliment that Kentucky and John Calipari, one of the best programs in the country kind of wants to take your assistance. And I think if they were to lose those guys, I think, I think Underwood would be able to, find other guys to replace them. And, you know, Illinois is kind of a nice young up and coming program now with after the season they just had. So I think they'll be able to find guys if they do in fact leave, but I'm not hundred percent sure they're leaving. I'm not super plugged into it, but I think there's a chance those guys stay too. So that's kind of where I'm at with the situation right now. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, I think it's really good public press for Illinois and Josh Whitman that he's able to reportedly make Orlando Antigua one of the highest paid assistant coaches in the entire country, if not the highest, because I think if you can get that money for Antigua, that shows that you're going to be able to get a significant salary for any assistant coach should he decide to leave. And the same could be said with keeping Chin Coleman here. If he were to leave, you're going to be able to give Chin Coleman a significant raise. And I'm assuming Stephen Gentry would also get a raise then because you can't just give a raise to two guys on the assistant coaching staff and not all three. What I find really interesting about this Kentucky situation, and we're recording this on, what is it today? Tuesday. We're recording this on Tuesday, and Kentucky officially posted the job openings. And the first one is, you know, a full-time assistant coach, which includes the on-the-court coaching and the off-campus recruiting. Um, that was a role previously held by uh, Joel Justice, or Justice, I think is maybe how you say it. He goes to Arizona State to take a, an assistant coaching job there. That would be the role that Antigua would take, the more higher-ranking official. But the second one 
in my opinion, is maybe even a downgrade for Chen Coleman because it's an off-court assistant position where he wouldn't be on the floor during games coaching. Now, he can still do on-campus recruiting, but he's still not able to go off-campus and recruit and go on visits to different places around the country once the dead period ends. So I think that that's really interesting to see if Chen Coleman were to take that position. Now, I don't think Chen Coleman is necessarily as prioritized for that first position as Antigua is, but to me, that's really interesting how Chin Coleman could potentially maybe be taking a step down in some people's eyes in terms of your kind of ranking on a staff. And I know Kentucky is obviously a very coveted school to be an assistant coach at and obviously be the head coach at, but Coach Cal's had that lockdown since I think 2009. I think bigger picture here, I think Illinois is kind of in a tough spot with the recruiting situation right now, particularly in the transfer portal. I assume that they're still trying to recruit kids that are in their 2021 class. I know all those guys have signed Brandon Podzimski, uh, Luke Goody, and then of course, RJ Melendez. Melendez and Podzimski both were heavily recruited by Chick Coleman, spent a lot of time with Podzimski, and then Antigua spent a lot of time with Melendez. But I think they're still having to recruit those guys pretty hard just with these rumors, but I think bigger and more importantly right now, it's hurting them in the transfer portal because transfers don't want to come here if they don't know who their assistant coach is going to be or who their primary coach is going to be. I mean, particularly we know Illinois is looking at the four a lot right now and three names. I mean, Trey Mitchell, obviously Arthur Kaluma just got of his NIL at uh, or NLI, excuse me, name whatever it stands for, National Ever Intent at UNLV. And then, of course, there's Joel Nantabwe. All three of those guys are going to be spending a lot of time with whoever the big man coach is. And if that's in Orlando Antigua, I don't know how much Owen is able to really recruit those guys with these rumors that are going on. So I think that that's probably a big concern. Yeah, and Antigua has been instrumental in landing the, the transfers they have landed this offseason, both Alfonso Plummer and Omar Payne. So not only are kids – maybe unsure about who their assistant coach is going to be, but, you know, Antigua's a good salesman. He's he's probably Illinois' best salesman or best recruiter. So, yeah, it's definitely a weird spot with the transfer portal right now. And I still kind of feel like they're one piece away, whether that's a four or potentially a five if Kofi Coburn does not come back. And, you know, there's, there's talented players in the portal right now. Like you mentioned, Trey Mitchell is still out there. A guy I like, Dylan DeSue from Vanderbilt, a really talented four, just committed to Texas because – you know, their staff is intact and they can recruit and make that sales pitch. So hopefully whatever, you know, if he decides to leave or he decides to stay, hopefully that gets settled rather quickly. So then Illinois can make their next move. I will say the timeline of this has probably been put on pause because, you know, last week, uh, Kentucky freshman Terrence Clark passed away in a tragic car accident in Los Angeles. So John Calipari went out to Los Angeles to see the Clark family. And I doubt they're having conversations about this stuff right now because there's much bigger things for the Kentucky basketball family. So the timeline of this is it's really unfortunate because Illinois is kind of stuck playing this waiting game right now. Yeah. And I don't really know when exactly we should expect word on what might come. I mean, I don't know if it's end of this week, early May, whatever it may be. I think everyone's kind of in a waiting game and the coaches seem to have a lot of power in this situation. The agents clearly have a lot of power. Talk about a job I'd want. I want to be Orlando Antigua's agent right now because you've struck up a bidding war for your client between Illinois and Kentucky, two schools who definitely have a lot of history and a lot of money to throw at their basketball programs. So I think that we could be in a situation here where 
Illinois or Kentucky maybe gives him a deadline. Like, Hey dude, like we need to know, and we need to know by this point so we can go find someone else if we need to. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out. I don't think it'll go long into the entire summer. I just don't expect that to happen, but we'll have to see where it goes. Anyway, let's uh, get to this interview with Dion Thomas. Of course, a reoccurring guest and uh, we're always happy to be joined by Dion Thomas. Let's get to it. All right, we're now happy to be joined by Dion Thomas, of course, still works in the Illinois Athletic Department and still does a lot of great work with Brian Barnhart on the Illinois Radio Network. Dion, how you doing, man? Hey, I can't complain, man. I, as I tell people, I'm on the right side of the grass. <laughs> so as long as I'm on the top and not under it, I am all good. Anything can happen as long as I'm on this side. That's a good mindset to have. Anyway... <laughs> First of all, uh, I just kind of wanted to ask you about your fundraising campaigns. Last week, Brandon and I each got that press release about all the donations pouring in for the renovations to Ubbin. And then I know that season tickets are in incredibly high demand entering next season for Illinois right now. Well, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is something that's new. Uh, Illini Nation has continued to be supportive of the athletic program and of the kids that we that we take care of, that we cultivate that we grow into human beings they've been doing that even when during our downtimes um so i have to take my hat off first and foremost to Illini nation for being that steadfast um alumni group that we need and that any institution needs but ours of course has a special place in my heart because if not for them then i don't graduate from the university of illinois so what they have done and what this staff has done, you know, led by Josh Whitman and, and Howard Milton has been nothing but tremendous. Um, I think they have done what I believe any business needs to do, which is bring in the right personalities and, and let them do what it is that they do best, of course, with their guidance. So, yes, you mentioned the season tickets. You mentioned the money that went into Ubin as, as well as the Smith Center. All of that comes because of the shared love for the university, but definitely the hard work of its development officers, which I am one of. And as we just mentioned, when you when you love something as much as I do with that institution, and I believe the people that work with me or alongside me, then it's easy to sell. It's easy to push that forward. And then Illini Nation understands um, that we don't just turn out great products on the courts or on the field. We turn out great human beings. They go out to be and uh, they turn out to be a great part of society. And they give, you know, I mean, you look at the number of Pulitzer Prize winners we have, and that'll tell you what the University of Illinois does. And so that really makes things, I won't say easy, but it makes it easy for you to go out there and really want to sell this product. And lastly, when you do what Brad Underwood has done and what this staff has done and turned a program that, quite honest, was down for eight to 10 years and you do it as quickly as he has done it. I mean, that also adds a lot of excitement and, and, you know, adds to being able to do some of the things that we have done. And then when you have a young man and he's gone, well, he's leaving us, I believe now. What Io DeSumo has done in coming back and reviving uh, this program by staying home when he had opportunities to go somewhere really not just unites the basketball team or ignites the basketball team, but him being from Chicago and staying home and coming down reconnects Chicago to Champaign. And people may, you know, may not understand how big that is, but that's a huge thing. And, and a lot of kudos goes to that young man for doing so. 
Appreciate that, of course. Um, anyway, let's get into it a little bit. When I asked you to come on the podcast at that spring football game, I briefly asked you about your opinion on the transfer portal and just how crazy it's been since the end of the season. Can you kind of share your thoughts on that and maybe what's changed there for you? Well, I'd say this. Um, I, I, I appreciate young people being able to recognize if they've made a mistake and, or if something changes or a coaching change or something and them being able to move on to a place that better suits them. But I think a lot of this happens without guidance or with the wrong guidance. And I believe last year there were somewhere around 200 young people that went without scholarships after they had one at the previous school. And that's going to be even more this year. So am I, I'm in a love-hate relationship with this transfer portal. Um, because I think a lot of young people are going to get hurt. One, because they're jumping out there and you're going to end up with nothing. But you're doing this based on, if they're doing it based on, you know, some perceived slight by the coach and they were just freshmen or something like that. Get in there and earn your stripes. You know, this generation has, uh, you know, when I've watched them and been listening to other coaches and talking to other coaches, have a mentality that, they deserve something before earning it, you know, and when you step on a basketball court, a football field, and you have seniors in front of you that have been there or juniors in front of you that have been there. Now, if you're clearly better than they are, the coach will put you out there on the floor. I don't know a coach in the, in, in, a, in football, basketball, baseball, or any other sport that doesn't want to feel the best team possible. But if you're in a position where you're growing and you're learning this game, then sit down and, and understand what's happening instead of just trying to up and leave. And I think that's what the portal has created, um, this mentality that, okay, well, I'm not happy here. I'll just go somewhere else. And that works when a lot of coaches want you. That does not work if you're a borderline guy that could easily, or girl, that could easily get passed over. And now you're sitting with nothing when you had something, you know, a bird in the head, Better than, you know, two birds in the bush, my grandma used to always say. So hopefully they'll understand that and, and they'll be able to do something about this transfer portal. Because if this is the new normal, there there's going to be a lot of kids get hurt. And that's the bad part about this. So they need to add a level of protection for these young people, whether it's a deadline to do this or if they have someone, you know, an independent consultant outside of, you know, their sports or, or athletics, even if it's a professor, <clears throat> an education professor that could sit down and, and talk to these kids about making the right decisions. That's going to be a necessity because I think a lot of these kids are getting some bad information from people that think they know what's happening, but does not don't really understand what this game is about. One thing I think that is interesting that you just said there was kind of how kids you know, it's less common to say that they want to stick it out when they're in a tough situation. But I feel like back when you played, that was more common. So why do you think that mindset has changed for some of these kids over the years? I'm going to tell you a little story. And it was really my, my daughter that kind of uh, opened my eyes to this. Um, my mother was really tough on us. Very, very tough on us. But that again, look where I was growing up. I grew up on the west side of Chicago where she had to be tough because you never know what could happen to you on a daily basis. 
And I don't think I am the only one in that situation. I think a lot of parents that raised my generation were really tough on kids. So what was the flip side of that? We became really relaxed on our kids and not really, you know, force them to learn to fall down so you can get up or you can scrape your knees and learn. I think a lot of this was on us, to, you know, my generation that has really, oh, you don't like that? Okay, then we can go here. I mean, and that was one of the things that bothered me when I was coaching because I'd see a kid one day, you know, one summer, and then the next summer he's playing for a totally different team, AAU team. I'm like, hold on, how'd this kid go there? Or he's at one high school, and then now he's at another high school. And when the parents enabled this, being able to jump around and go wherever you want to go, instead of just sticking it out, then I think that created a whole mindset with these young people today that, okay, well, if I'm not happy here, I'll go somewhere else to be happy. I'll tell you, <laughs> I had another story on that. Bob Hamburg, who was my coach at Simeon, had a paddle. And so if you missed dunks, turnovers, layups, you know, just any, you knew you were getting the paddle the next day. You, you just knew it. It wasn't even a question. So, we had a couple of kids, you know, that transferred out of Simeon, you know, and he wasn't going to make you stay if you didn't want to stay there. I went to my mother my freshman year. I was like, man, he has a paddle. And he, you know, did this. She was like, so <laughs> it's the best place for you. He's teaching you. And I think that has been taken away a lot of the times um, from, and not that coaches should be paddling. Well, I think they should be paddling people, but that's, you know, that's just me uh, because I know how it helped me <laughs> and what helped my teammates. But I think, you know, on a serious side, the, the parents have tried to make it so easy for their kids instead of um, forcing them to learn how to deal with various situations that they've just, okay, well, I don't want to be here. I'll go somewhere else. And that has fed right into where we are now with this transfer portal. Kids aren't happy or the parents aren't happy. Then they want to immediately take their kid and send them somewhere else instead of understanding what, and, and I'll say this, most coaches have the best interests of their players at heart. And if this coach, this person has the best interest of your, your kid at heart, then you need to leave them there and, and let them learn, let them grow. Not everybody's going to be LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. And the sad part about that is too many parents think that those you know, that their kid is that from a very early age instead of just taking these things as they come. So I want to kind of bring your experience in. Uh, after your sophomore season, you averaged just under 20 points per game and just under seven rebounds, but Illinois went 13 and 15. So I feel like if a player today put those kind of numbers up, they would be in the portal right away if their team was under 500 and they would probably – they could play anywhere in the country. You know, I feel like if you decided to transfer after your sophomore year, you could have played anywhere in the country. Was there ever a time in your Illinois career when you thought about transferring or because, you know, kind of the way you were brought up and raised and, the, you know, the stories you talked about, that kind of made you stay because that's who you were as a person? Well, let me answer that first part. First of all, if, if someone's averaging a shade under 20 points, and they might be going to the NBA, let alone transferring. I mean – I, I was my I was the third rated power forward in the country at that time. They're, they're out. They're, they're going to the NBA, let alone transfer somewhere. But you but you're 100 percent right. If a team's not doing well, other coaches immediately start recruiting. They're recruiting players from other teams. I mean, then it's not supposed to happen, but it does. 
You know, you got somebody that's whispering in the kid's ear from this side, and you know, and, it, and it's easy to do. So at the end of every year, coaches have to start re-recruiting their own kids to make them say that. But you asked if in my era, that me or in my era, that was never a question. Um, there was a sense of loyalty um, that went on, not just with me. Now, of course, I was raised that way. But that I think in my generation, we had a sense of loyalty uh, to the institution that we had gone to and to the people that we had given our words to. Plus, at the same time, I think a lot of this was broken down by AAU sports. I mean, you so we talked about it earlier. AAU takes these kids all around the country. So you're not so locked into, say, your state school as I was. I mean, yeah, I was being recruited by Georgetown, Arizona, UCLA, and everyone else. But my heart was still at home. And then I wanted to be close to my family, so they were there. Now, there are so many different ways that parents can go and travel and see um, their kids play that it's really opened the doors to a lot of other um, opportunities for kids. But I, I don't know if that same sense of loyalty is there um, in, in today's players that it was then. And I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm better for having not left. You know, and that goes the whole thing with, with leaving early. <clears throat> if you are guaranteed to be a, you know, mid to lottery pick, I would tell you to go in a heartbeat. I would. Um, but if you're low and you're projected to be low first round, second round or something like that, I would tell each and every one of those kids to stay in school and get their degree. You know, I my junior my junior year had a lot of people telling me, you know, it's time to go. You should leave. You should do this. And I think I may have told you guys this before. And I talked to my grandmother about it. I'm like, hey, I got an opportunity to get drafted this, you know, make money. We can move and this. She says, OK, well. Will you have your degree by then? I said, no. She was like, then you're not going anywhere. And there was no question. It was like, okay, then I'm going back to school. I don't, I think the value of a college degree for some um, and and for far too many has gone the way of the dinosaur. It's it's extinct. Everybody's vision is either going to the NBA or, or going overseas when we all know 90 Five to 98% of those kids are never going to play professional sports. But that's not what they want to hear. That's not what they want to see. And this is why you have people doing a lot of the things that they're doing. I mean, even jumping in the transfer portal has to do with that same thing. They're, they're profession chasing instead of understanding that they have to build their futures. Yeah, and I think everything you just said is spot on with the college degree not being as sought after for players coming out of high school or going into college to play whatever sport they're playing. I don't think the degree is as sought after, and I don't think that staying at the school that they originally planned to be at is as sought after. And I think that's very easily seen with the fact that we have over 1,400 guys right now on the transfer portal, and it seems to be going up on a day-to-day basis do you think that this is like the new norm with 1400 players being in the transfer portal every offseason unfortunately yes and it goes back to the things that i that i just mentioned i think young players today and their parents and their and their cohorts that are you know that are at home with them their friends and all of this are telling these kids you know from an early age you know, you're going to the NBA, you're going to the NBA. 
And they are looking for whatever situation they believe could put them in that best situation. I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that, except for the fact that they are not paying attention to the part that's really going to be important. Because even if you go to the NBA, and I think a lot of these young people don't have, say you make it, you you a second round guy, you make it. You don't make any real money until your second contract, you know, and that's if you're lucky. You, I mean, if that's if you have a good two, three years, then you make some money on your second contract, not your first. Your first is taken up by your agents, your 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 parents, and everybody else that's hanging on. Not to mention the government has their hands in your pocket, so you're really not making any money. But these kids, for some reason, believe that okay, if I get there, I'm there. And every level you step up is more difficult. Every level, whether it's from high school to college, college to, you know, let's take the G League, for example. <laughs> I mean, stepping up to the G League is huge. And those guys, there's a bunch of guys there that will never make it to the NBA, that will play in the G League, you know, which is today's CBA back in my day, that will never make it there. But those guys are good. Because there's so much more that goes into, am I just a good basketball player? Does the team need you? Are you a fit? You know, does the coach or the GM have some favors to do for an agent that helps him out on the contract before? There's so many other things that go into this. And I don't think these young people or their parents or everybody else really understand that. And that's why I say, I used to tell kids, even when I was coaching, that basketball should be your plan B, not your plan A. But far too many people don't want to hear that. And, um, you know, that's why I'm in fundraising. I'm not in coaching anymore because I couldn't sell BS to kids knowing that they're going to have to live the next, you know, (laughs) 50, 60 years. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. Just didn't feel good to me. Yeah, and I like how you mentioned the G League and how nothing's kind of guaranteed for so many of these players who sign these two-way contracts or go undrafted and are able to sign a two-way contract. Also, I think have to think about like the one-and-done rule and how much of an effect that's probably had on college basketball and kids not staying. Do you think that the G League and these kids coming out of high school, whether it's an Imani Bates or a Michael Foster, we just saw do it this week, just go directly to the G League or go pro overseas instead of doing at least one year in college, which in my opinion has probably really benefited players like Zion Williamson, obviously Jalen Suggs for sure. And I guess even Kate Cunningham too. I mean, I think those guys really benefited from the one year in college rather than going to the G League or going overseas and playing professionally too. That's a great question, Alec, by the way. Uh, let me say it. But I'll tell you this. If, if I had to make the decision, it would be more so like football. They, they'd be in college for three years. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, there, it, one, I think young people coming out of high school are not mentally prepared for what they're going to face. I, I, I graduated after four years, and I, when I came out, I, I wasn't prepared. I was shocked at how different things were um when i when i came out i remember going to the camp going to camp in dallas and i played great kicked the guy's ass that was in front of me oops I'm, oh well this on your podcast you can take it did work on the people that were playing ahead of me and at the end of my of the camp <clears throat> the coach came to me and we had a meeting he was like well i just want to let you know you're not going to play a whole lot your freshman your, your rookie season and i'm like okay well, were we at the same camp 
<laughs> you know, did we just, but I didn't understand you had to put, you got to pay your dues for one. You got to put in your work. Again, they, those guys were there before. There's a lot of things that you need to learn to be a professional in, in the NBA and not just in the NBA, but in Europe. So to answer that first question, uh, I think, I do think one year there's some kids that could, there are some people that could benefit from that. Um, I, if I, if we're going to make them go, in my opinion, you make them go for three. That way it moves them closer to their degree, as well as they have a chance to mature, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. Uh, or you just let them go. Um, and then you you leave the onus on the team to draft them. I think we've seen enough of kids that go directly to the NBA, and it has not been successful for them. And a, mo- a lot of young people... Uh, I hope they understand that not everybody is a one and done. But in today's age, with now the transfer portal, if we have them being able to just go one year, you know, I don't know if that's going to benefit the majority of kids, of young people. I got to stop calling them kids. I don't know if it's going to, you know, benefit the majority of these young men that, or young women that want to come out and do that. And that's that's just really say young men, because we're the ones that's really thinking like that. Young ladies don't normally think that way. And then making that jump to going overseas or going into the G League, I think it's the same thing because when you do this, there's a, there's a, a, a certain mental um, awareness or acuity that you need to have to deal with that because now you're a pro. You're, you're not, your coaches aren't going to be coming and say, hey, you need to be here or be there at that minute. So I remember when I first went to Europe and I was late like shoe practices, and I got a $10,000 fine. Now, that was the last time I was late, but, <laughs> but I was also a little bit more mature than a lot of kids that, was, that are, we're talking about this age group. I was a senior and didn't really, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm the best player on the team. I'm the leading scorer. I can come in here when I want to. Kind of that same mentality I had when I was at Illinois. Uh, no, here you go. 10, 10 grand fine, uh, don't be late again. And, and that's how they hit. But my point is, I just don't think a lot of young people understand um, what it is and what it takes to be a pro. So do I like the G League and an opportunity going over? No, not really. I, I wish they would go to college. And I'm going to harp on people getting their degrees all day long because at the end of the day, I don't, I don't, unless you make Shaquille O'Neal money, you're going to have to get a job. So what does college do? College isn't just, you know, you're going to school, you're building connections, you're building your network, you're getting to know um, others outside of your circle. You know, I had a couple of guys that were in my class that have gone on to start major corporations, you know, that I was at Illinois with. These are people that you get to know. So even if you do make that money in the NBA, you want, you have to be able to, invest it, work with people to build buildings. There's just so much more that you get from college than just jumping straight to, you know, whether it's Europe or the G League. And I don't, and unfortunately, I don't know if there's a lot of uh, people in positions that really care about helping these young people be successful, other than making sure that their bottom lines for their corporations are right. And I don't think young, I don't think they, they all understand that. You just made a, a lot of really good points about why 
kids should maybe stay in college and the, the value of a degree. But, you know, I think a big reason a lot of these kids do turn pro early is the opportunity to make money. And, you know, you don't get paid to play college basketball. I always think back to the the Michigan Fab Five, uh, ESPN 30 for 30, where Jalen Rose was talking about walking down the street and seeing a Michigan number five jersey being sold in stores that he couldn't even afford. Uh, and so I think a way that this might get counteracted and might make college more enticing is the potential passing of the name image and likeness reform, which is being talked about this summer. If they were to pass that, what do you think some of the benefits would be for the NCAA and for the players? Well, let's just say I saw a bunch of 25 jerseys walking around too. (laughs) And I was not getting a piece of that pot. Um, One, I, I, I think it's well overdue. Uh, I think it needs, as long as it's done right, I I think it's a good thing overall. Uh, I think there, and and this is probably a little bit more further than where we are, I think there has to be some type of national um, rule to how this works. Because if you have every state, every university trying to do it and decide on their own, I think you'll still have these inequities that we have now. I think it will probably promote... um, <clears throat> more cheating, <laughs> to be honest, uh, because there'll be ways that people can skirt that, you know, rather, you know, let me talk to this dealership or this person over here. And we're going to give them this exorbitant amount of money if they come here because of name image likeness. So I think there's going to have to be a lot of work done to make this um, work the right way, the way it should, where it's still equitable and it's still fair across the board. I just don't know how, you know, you, you take your best player and he gets all of the endorsements, but then your player, you know, five or six down the bench will probably not get the same endorsements. And so it, 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 it they have to figure that out. Um, but I think it's beneficial for the young people uh, that, that will, I wish I had it. Let me say that. Um, and I think it'll definitely help them. It's just a matter of figuring out how to make it all work uh, cohesively. And, you know, does it benefit colleges? Yeah, because you'll have some kids that stay. I mean, but you'll still have those young people with the, you know, the stars that are bright in their eyes that think that the other way is easier, that don't want to have to go to class, that don't want to have to get up and go to work. They just want to go and hoop and, and do those types of things. So I think if it's, if it's in, um, what's the word I'm trying to find? Um uh, well, if, if if it's done the right way, then it could be beneficial and, you know, just wait to be seen. Yeah, and you mentioned the 25 jersey thing there when you first started responding. You probably don't spend a lot of time walking down Green Street or walking across campus, but during the height of the Illini season, it was crazy to see how many jerseys were popping up with 11 and Dosumu on the back or even Kofi Coburn jerseys. And to me, like, that's just kind of like the surface of what name image likeness could do in Champagne when you think about students buying players jerseys. But then you also think and we've seen this with Georgie Bishanishvili in the last couple of weeks with him doing stuff with game day spirit with a couple different T-shirt designs going to some place, I think, in Savoy or something like that to sign autographs as someone who is still really plugged into the Champagne community and everything. How much of a boost or a tool do you think it could be for Illinois into the future with name image likeness? 
Well, I mean, it, it helps. And it's hard to say just help Illinois. I mean, it, it's going to help colleges, universities as a whole. Um, as I mentioned before, my fear is just that it's done the right way because there are universities, you know, that have bigger budgets than we do that have, um, you know, other business people that could do other things. Is it a benefit for Illinois? Of course, uh, because I believe Illinois could put together uh, one. I know we'll do it above board. Two, I think it'll be above board and done the right way so that it doesn't hurt the kids in any kind of way, that it helps them and it helps their brand and their image, which you know is really important today and to young people. I think it would really be beneficial for them. I put all my confidence in Josh that, that that'll be figured out. But at the same time, I think it should be a national um, limitations on, on what could happen, because I think if, if you just have it unlimited, it's going to create problems. And as good as as good as my boss is, I don't know if he's that good. So the last thing I want to kind of touch on as we talk about this broad landscape of college basketball is that, you know, players aren't the only ones who can take off and leave at any time. I think this season we've seen a plethora of head coaches in this coaching carousel kind of switch schools. I mean, you look at Chris Beard, who did a terrific job at Texas Tech and then goes to a rival in-state school in Texas um, because, you know, they offered him more money. Uh, What's your kind of opinion on maybe coaches who, you know, go to take different jobs? Because, you know, there's an argument from the player side that if coaches can leave at any time, why can't players? Well, but that's where we are now. That that you just took this thing all the way back around. This is why we're talking about this transfer portal. <clears throat> I mean, it's going to give kids the opportunity to be able to go, and they should have the opportunity to be able to go. I just think that they need to make sure that they have someone that's giving them the correct information. Now, as far as ca- as coaches, I, I I have no problem with um, capitalism at all. We're, we're all here and you should be able to um, earn your worth. So if you're Chris Beard and you've made Texas Tech basketball what it is today compared to what it was, why wouldn't – I mean, I'd be wrong in saying that he can't take a job that's going to offer him more money um, or a better situation. Uh, that, that would be – you know, that would be an idiot for saying that. He should be able to benefit off of his work which is what we're talking about with everyone else. You know, that's what we're talking about with the players. The players should be able to benefit off of their work. So I I don't have a problem with that. Um, I think that he has a family. He has to do what he has. And we're using him as as an example. But I think coaches should be able to do what they have to do. This is their job. Um, And they should be able to have to do with their family. Now, they have to search inside themselves that, okay, is $2 million or $3 million enough? Or do I have to go and take a job for $4 million? But, you know, this is one of those businesses that you have to remember. I remember when I first got into coaching and I had several of my coaching mentors that told me, you have to understand, all right, you're entering a job where you're hired to be fired. So you have to make sure that every three years, that you are making sure that you're looking at, you know, taking a move up or a move on, which was one of the reasons that I, I kind of stepped away. My kids were, my oldest daughter was a freshman in high school. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be in this for three years and then up and move her from her high school to somewhere else. And I definitely wasn't going to separate my family and do that. 
But all of those things go hand in hand. So if he gets an opportunity or she, you know, because <laughs> the coach at Baylor left and went to LSU, if you have those opportunities, you have to take them. And I agree, Brandon. Kids need to have the, that op- those opportunities as well. But young people are young people, and they're rash, and they do things that may not be the smart thing to do. Older people, they're adults. They, they Okay, you make your decision, you make your bed, you sleep in it, which is the same thing for young people. But they shouldn't be left without, say, a scholarship opportunity because they left one hoping to be able to get another one. Coaches leave because their agents <clears throat> have a contract that's already ready for them to sign. There's no hope. <laughs> You're not just jumping ship, you know, without having something already in place. And I think that's the difference between what coaches are doing and what these kids, are, these young people are doing when they enter the transfer portal, because you don't have any guarantees in there. Those contracts are already guaranteed and ready to be signed and executed. You talked about these coaching contracts. It just, it seems like the money head coaches are making these days is getting significantly bigger. I mean, you look at what Chris Beard is making, you look at what Indiana reportedly offered Brad Stevens, like these coaching contracts have really gone up. Why do you think that may be? Well, television. I mean, this is all television money. I mean, this is anytime I can have a billion, you know, we're making almost a billion dollars. I can spread that money out a little bit more. So if the money is going to continue to go up on television and you feel that a coach can get you on television, keep you in those prime time slots, which brings in more advertising dollars, which you know what I'm saying? So it just continues to go up. Um, I, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine and he was like, Dion, you need to start looking maybe at the front office job with the bulls or the socks or this or that. And so he sent me a text literally two days later and was like, as we just started talking about Orlando's possible contract, he's like, maybe you need to go back into coaching. <laughs> but it goes right back to what you said. Some of these contracts now are just, you know, absurd. But again, if you're worth it and you're bringing in that that type of no, you know notoriety for the program, for the institution, then what are you going to do? Yeah, and you briefly kind of hit there on – Coach Antigua and what he's potentially being offered by Kentucky and I guess Illinois too. It's not just head coaches that are bouncing around. I feel like assistant coaches we've seen move around even more this offseason. How much do you see that situation with assistant coaches kind of moving around wherever they want as affecting what we see with college basketball moving into the future? Um. Well, first of all, I'm going to stay away from that whole Orlando thing. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I have no information, but I, I'm just going to stay so far away from that. But to answer your question about coaches moving on, as an assistant coach, your contracts are year to year. And, and that's the tough thing. Uh, if coaches, if assistant coaches had long contracts, three, four, five years, like head coaches do, you probably would not have that issue. But every year, your contract is coming up. So assistant coaches have an opportunity if, if, if they're being, you know, if they're successful at what they're doing as far as recruiting and, and developing players and things of that nature, you're always going to have other institutions to try to poach them. So institutions have to do one of two things. You want to keep them, give them longer contracts or more money. But I don't, I don't think coaches, you know, especially assistant coaches should be pigeonheld into staying 
Um, because you know, you 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 know, if your if your coach goes, if your team's not doing well, your coach goes. Normally, you are going right along with him. So your job is dependent upon someone else. So you have to be ready to take the other opportunities if they come out. And is that good or bad for college basketball? I I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. Now, is it good or bad for some institutions? Oh yeah, probably. You know, but it just all depends on how successful said assistant coach is. Well, Dion, that's all the questions we have. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, that was just great insight into a former player's opinion on the state of college basketball and where it's at right now. <laughs> My pleasure, guys. Brandon, Alec, I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Just let me know. Thanks, Dion. Thank you. Once again, a special thanks to Dion Thomas for coming on. Brandon, I thought that that was an incredibly insightful um, kind of view at the state of college basketball and where the game is from a former player who obviously played in the early to mid-90s and just how much the game has changed since Dion left the game of college basketball, whether as a player or an assistant coach or a head coach. Yeah, I think he did a really good job of bringing in the perspective of someone who played in a different era and time and of someone who was a mentor to young kids in today's game. So he like, I don't necessarily agree with everything he said, but it was like super insightful. And it, it gave me a new sense of, it gave me a new opinion and a new perspective on how things are. So I'm really glad we got him on. That was all you granted with the spring game. So kudos to you. I appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening as well. And uh, hopefully we're able to continue to get some good guests the rest of the summer. I know Brandon and I have some things planned and we hope you guys are able to listen to those episodes as well. But once again, this has been Inside the Arc.